Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, more specifically the word gifts or the spoken gifts like prophecy, um, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, uh, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues and just uh, like um, a word of encouragement. Um, and I wanted to share on this in the past but then the Lord put other things on my heart and this week I just felt to take a look at this. Um, the gifts of the Spirit has been made available to us to use in the body, in the church, and outside the body as well, when we reach out. And one of the most basic and important things I believe people need to be able to do is to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Yeah. To, to hear God's voice and to, to not just hear it for themselves, but to hear it for other people as well. Um, but it all starts by first receiving for yourself. It's first receiving for yourself. It starts with our personal relationship with God, bearing God, hearing God for ourselves. Think about it for a moment. Think about these questions. Do you believe that you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? Ask, ask yourself this. Do you believe that you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? Huh? How many times do you actually practice listening to the Holy Spirit? Think about it. Do you have an expectancy that God wants to speak to you? Think about those questions, eh? Yeah. The answer to the last question is yes. God wants to speak to you. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is constantly speaking to yeah. us. Alright? We just need to listen. I, don't, I think we, we miss His voice many times because we're not expecting to hear anything really. We're not listening. We're not actively, purposefully listening to His voice. Um, okay, so the gifts of prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, the interpretation of tongues, and just in general, a word of encouragement. Um, these are called the spoken gifts of the Spirit. Uh, we get also the other gifts like miracles, healing, and all of those other things. But I think many times we feel intimidated by these gifts because we feel we need to produce them. We feel we need to manufacture them. That if we do this, this, and this, if we um, think this way, then then the gifts will will happen. But that that is something that's blocking us. Um, or we think that maybe we're not smart enough to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, when it's actually just really simple and easy, because it does not actually come from us. Yeah. It doesn't come from you. No? It comes uh, from the Holy Spirit in us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have to produce, we don't have to force, we don't have to make up anything. Uh, we listen to the Holy Spirit, and then we, we say what, the, what we believe the Holy Spirit is saying. And what's awesome is that in, a, in, a, in an environment like this, in the church, we can make mistakes, you know? No one's going to chop your head off if you if you say something wrong. No one's going to laugh at you when you make a mistake in the body of Christ. This is a place where we can learn. All right. 
safe environment. Yeah, it's a safe environment because we are all learning. Né? Okay, so let's first go to Mark 3 verse 13. To, to start hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, where do you think it starts? Where do we think we need to begin? It begins with personal relationship. <laughs> it's basic. Like, there's no big revelation here. It's just being in relationship with Him. That is where we start hearing the voice of the Spirit. We start hearing the voice of God. Mark 3 verse 13 says, Jesus went on a mountainside and called to Him those He wanted, and they came to Him. He appointed twelve that they might be with Him, and that He might send them out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. So, Jesus appointed His twelve disciples for two reasons in the Scripture. Or He called His twelve disciples for two reasons. Firstly, that they might be with Him. And then secondly, that after they had been with Him, He might send them out to preach. Okay? Do you see the order? It was first to be with Him, and then to go out and preach. No? He didn't call them up the mountain, and then send them down immediately. No? He didn't want to just give them some exercise. He wanted to first spend time with them. He wanted to talk with them, fellowship with them, to just be with them. And then He sent them out to preach. The disciples had to be with Jesus before they could go out and preach. you agree with me on that? So Jesus spent a lot of time alone in prayer with the Father. During these times of relationship, I believe Jesus got instruction from the Father. He got ministry from the Father. It was in these intimate times with the Father that Jesus knew who to choose as His disciples, like Philip said. Where they, where they needed to travel. This is where He received the love of His Father uh, that fueled His compassion for people. Um, his compassion for the crowds. It was in these times where the Father told Jesus what to preach, what to teach, who to reach out to. Um, it was in these times that Jesus meditated on the miracles that the Father wanted Him to perform. Right? There's many, many scriptures. I'm sorry that I didn't Google how many times it says in the, in the Bible that Jesus separated Himself and went to pray. But it says in Luke 6 verse 12, Luke 6 verse 12. One day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and He prayed to God all night. Verse 13. At daybreak, He called together all of His disciples and chose twelve of them to be apostles. And here are their names, and they continue to name the apostles. But you see there, He was in prayer all night. And then he called his disciples, and then he knew who to choose. It was in that time of prayer, I believe, that God revealed to him who he needed to choose, or maybe who he, God confirmed to him who he, who he needed to choose to be his twelve apostles. Mark 1 verse 35, Mark 1 verse 35 says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. I like that, no? Mm -hmm. to, to purposefully make time with God. Before the busyness of the day starts, no? Yeah. To meet up with Jesus. 
Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Then Luke 5, verse 15 to 16. Luke 5, verse 15 to 16. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even farther, faster, sorry, faster. And vast crowds of people came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. And then verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. He often withdrew. So this scripture tells us Jesus often withdrew uh, to the wilderness for prayer. So the point I want to bring across is that our ministry to people should be fueled and powered by relationship with God. Jesus as a man had to spend time with the Father. And the disciples had to spend time with Jesus. So what makes us think we we don't have to? But with that said, our time with Him should not be primarily about receiving for other people. That's a trap many times pastors could trap fall into. Receiving for others because we're constantly preparing for messages and stuff like that. But not just to, to receive for others, but to receive for yourself first. It should be about us coming to a loving Father and allowing Him to minister to us through His Word. We do not go to Him just to receive for others, but we cannot minister effectively to others if we have not spent time with Him. It is important for us to minister to others from the overflow of our relationship with Him. Just think about how you would feel uh, if someone spent time with you just to get something from you. Or imagine someone just spends time with you just to make them feel better about themselves. Because many times we do that with God. Imagine meeting up with someone and they talk an hour long. And then just as you open your mouth to say something, they go, Bye. That's That's not spending time with someone, right? What kind of relationship is that? If that is how many of our relationships with God look like. We should never have ulterior motives when we go to God for relationship. The number one motive that we need to have is just to receive from Him. Just to, just to commune with Him. Just to have relationship with Him. Amen. Just to hear His heart for us. For many years, my motive for seeking God was to live a holy life. And to, to be free of sin. Do you think that's a, a good motive? But it's not a good motive if, if, if that is why I go to God. No. The motive for, for going to God is just to spend time with Him. Just to have a relationship with Him. Yes, it's good to have, a, to have that motive to live holy, to be, be without sin, to be free from sin. Um, and the awesome thing is that Jesus did provide that for us. But that is not why we go to God. There must be no ulterior motives even if it seems good, why we go to God. The motive should be just relationship, just communion. And what's awesome is that even then, <clears throat> from that relationship, will, will happen whatever you need Him to, to do for you. But that's not why we seek Him. Mm-hmm. Alright. We need to realize our unity and dependence on Him. It's also important to remember that ministry to others is not like a delivery system. It's not like we, we're meeting with Jesus, 
and then we go out from his presence and we minister to others. It's not like we get a package and we deliver it. He's constantly with us. Ne? He is always with us. All right. We don't go into the presence of God, receive from Him, and then come out and deliver or minister to others. The awesome truth is that we are constantly one with Jesus. He wants to minister through you. All right. Jesus and His disciples were living and traveling together. They were always together. The disciples were spending a lot of time with Him. They ministered together. They ate together. They slept together. Everything they were, they were walking together on the road. After Jesus ascended um, to heaven, they received the Holy Spirit eh? and still ministered from a place of relationship with God. So every t- always when the disciples ministered, Jesus was either close to them in, in, in physical body or he was inside of them through the Holy Spirit. Eh? John 15 verse 5. John 15 verse 5 says, Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The awesome thing is that if you believe you are a branch, if you believe he is in you, if you believe he remains in you and you remain in him, Alright? We just need to realize that. We just need to make that a conscious um, state of mind. That as we walk, as we, as we do our quiet time with Him in the morning, as we separate ourselves and, 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 and isolate ourselves and spend time with Him, and move from there throughout the day, that He doesn't leave. You don't leave His presence. You carry His presence wherever you go. How awesome is that? 1 Corinthians 3.16 1 Corinthians 3.16 Do you not know that you are the temple of God? (laughs) Do you not know that you are the temple of God? Think about that. We hear this a lot. You're the temple of God. You are the temple of God. And that He is Spirit. The Spirit of God dwells in you. The Spirit of the living God dwells in you. (laughs) That is so awesome. To dwell means to live somewhere. It means you you set up your house. You lay a foundation. You build your walls. You put in your furniture. And you live there. And that's what it says here. The Spirit of God dwells in you. God has made His home on the inside of you. If people are looking for God, where do they have to go? Do they have to go to church first? Hmm? They don't have to go to church. If you are there, they are in the presence of God. And think about how important that is for you to realize that, that you carry the presence of God with you wherever you go. All right. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18 says, And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to Himself through Christ. 
and God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Not we may be, we could be, we are. We are. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. <laughs> come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That's also what stood out to me, is that God reconciled him, us to Himself. It's not from our side, no? It says, and all this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself. That's repeated all the time. God is reconciling you. He is calling you to Himself. He takes the initiative. That's what's awesome to me from that. We minister to others effectively when we have spent time with Him and from a position of awareness that He is constantly with us. We can ask the Holy Spirit at any time for a word for ourselves or for other people because He is always within us. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ. Imagine that. You can speak for God. Sure. When we preach the Gospel. When we say, come back to God. How do we do that? We preach the gospel. All right? Amen. This week I came across the scripture in Isaiah uh, 43 verse 25. Isaiah 43 verse 25. It says, God is, oh and it's God that's speaking. And he says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake. Think about that. And I will never think of them again. That is really awesome. He did not say, and I will blot out your sins for your sake. He said, I will blot out your sins for my sake. For God's sake. He blots out our sins. <laughs> God doesn't expect us to go out and do everything on our own. He's walking with us. He's walking inside of us. He is ministering through us. You don't have to produce anything. You don't have to think you you have to bring forth all these intellectual arguments. He is in you. He's going to minister through you. Okay. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4. Says. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now, each one um, of uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, I think I am. Oh, sorry. Did I say 2 Corinthians? Yeah. Oh. Uh, 
First Corinthians, Corinthians yeah. verse 12. Okay, so there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Okay. Here we have a list of the gifts of the Spirit. And that is so awesome to me that the same Spirit distributes, distributes each of these gifts. If you are a born-again believer, no? who's a born-again believer here? No? That's awesome, you as well. <laughs> if you're a born-again believer, that means you have His Spirit within you. And that means that you can function in each one of these gifts. Alright? You have that available to you. Okay? And then we also see in the scripture in verse 7 it says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Okay? So these gifts is for the body of Christ. Amen? We are given these gifts for the good of the church. Verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the means by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. You hear that? It's the same Spirit. You don't need different spirits. Uh, to another gift of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous power, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits. That's referring to demon spirits, whether it's a demon in, in a person or not. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them each to each one, just as He determines. That's cool. No? We have one Spirit. If you are born again today, you have the Spirit of God in you. And you these gifts are available to you. That's so awesome. We don't really find any detailed explanations of all of these gifts um, and how to use them. Um, there aren't any really formulas to using these gifts. Um, but there is a requirement and a guideline. The requirement is that you... What's the requirement? Born again and filled with the Spirit. Yeah. To be born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. Abide in Him. Yeah. And we do that by believing. <laughs> yeah, faith. Verse 11 says that all of these gifts are the work of one and the same Spirit. If that is true of you, then you can function in these gifts. Alright. Say, I can function in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I can function in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need to believe that, guys. We need to walk with, the re with this reality. That we can do this. We can, and I am. I am actually gift of the Spirit. We get more questions. Yeah, I mean. Okay, so the guideline for these gifts is that it is to help, to build up, to profit others. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit... 1 Corinthians 12, 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each, given to every man to profit with all. 
And 1 Corinthians 14 verse 12 says, Even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Okay? Let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. To edify means to build up. Alright. The definition of the Greek word is uh, the act of one who promotes another's growth in Christian wisdom, uh, happiness, holiness. So we can see that the very purpose of the gifts is unselfish. No? It's not for you. It's for someone else. Alright. It's to serve others. The only way we can use the gifts um, to truly build up, strengthen and encourage, the only way it will profit others, the only way it will promote growth and spiritual maturity, wisdom, happiness and holiness is when we connect it with the gospel. Alright. When, when, when those gifts are focused on the gospel. Alright. Colossians 3 verse 16 says, Colossians 3 verse 16 let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. That also sounds to me like the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach as you admonish, as you share words of wisdom, as you share tongues, as you prophesy, as you sing songs, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. And what is the message of Christ? The gospel. Okay. I, I just kind of get so you really got to have the word. Yeah. Because yeah. that's how you get the message through the word. Absolutely. It's, it's saying richly, abundantly. All right. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. There must be an abundance of the message of Christ. All right. We must all know it. All right. To be in unity. It is only in understanding the grace of God as revealed in the good news of what Jesus did for us on the cross that we will mature. You understand that? It is only by understanding the gospel. Only in understanding the grace of God, as revealed in the good news of what Jesus did for us on the cross, that you will mature. The gifts must be used to clarify, to sharpen our understanding of who we are in Christ and what we are called to because of our unity with Jesus. That is what the spiritual gifts should focus on, to bring clarity to the gospel. Bring understanding to people's mind about what Jesus did for us. All right. Here is a few questions we can ask when we when a word of when a word is given, uh, whether it's prophecy, whether it's a word of encouragement, whether it's um, interpretation of tongues, whether it's a word of knowledge or wisdom. Is does it agree with the gospel? No. Does it agree with the gospel? Does it lay a burden of performance on the receiver's shoulders or does it point them to faith in God's grace? No? If, it's, if it's laying a burden on people's shoulders to perform, then we know it's not from God. No? Does it focus on our identity in Christ, who God says we are, like we sang this morning? 
Does it focus on our identity in Christ? Does it invite people into a relationship with Jesus? Or does it point them away? Does it make them dependent on other people? Alright? Does it invite people into a relationship with Jesus? Is it God's wisdom as revealed in Scripture? Or is it man's wisdom? Alright? So those are a few questions that we can ask when someone gives gives you a word. Um, how to kind of evaluate it. Does it agree with the gospel? Does it lay a burden of performance on your shoulders? Does it focus on uh, on your identity in Christ? Does it invite people into a relationship with Jesus? And is it God's wisdom as revealed in Scripture or not? The Holy Spirit needs us. That's the thought, eh? The Holy Spirit needs us. Have you ever thought of that? Another scripture that blessed me in this week was in Mark 3. Mark 3 verse 7. Mark 3 verse 7. I'm going to read quite a bit. So if you could go there in your Bibles, it would be good. Okay. Mark 3 verse 7. Jesus went out to the lake with his disciples, and a large crowd followed him. They came from all over Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, from east of the Jordan River, and even from as far north as Tyre and Sidon. The news about his miracles had spread far and wide, and vast numbers of people came to see him. Great multitudes of people came to see him. Jesus instructed his disciples to have a boat ready, uh, so the crowd would not crush him. Think about that situation, right? He had healed many people that day, so all the sick people eagerly pushed forward to touch him. And keep in mind, this is a great multitude of people, a vast number of people who came to see him. And all of these sick people were so eagerly uh, desiring to get to Jesus that they pushed forward to touch him. So Jesus was in danger of, of being crushed under the crowd. And whenever those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, the spirits would throw them to the ground in front of him, shrieking, You are the Son of God. But Jesus sternly commanded the spirits not to reveal who he was. Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him. And they came to him, and he appointed twelve of them and called them, by, uh, called them his apostles. They were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. Alright. <clears throat> Until there. So think about this for a moment. Eh? Think about, try and um, imagine yourself into this situation. Imagine you standing in this crowd. Eh? Okay. What stood out to me was that vast crowds of people were coming to Jesus. Vast crowds. I can just imagine people as far as the eye could see. No? Massive crowds, waves of people just streaming to touch Jesus in order to be healed and delivered. Have you ever seen desperate people? People wanting to desperately get food or desperately do get something. No? It's, yeah, it can become very dangerous. It says here that they came from all over Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, from east of the Jordan River, and even as far north as Tyre and Sidon. So, all of these provinces, people, this was a massive gathering. All right, 
I've been to the Mighty Men conferences uh, that Angus Buckenheld. I don't know if you've ever heard about that a few years ago. Um, and the biggest one was 300,000 men. I actually have a photo on the laptop, which I forgot to show you now. But it's, it's just people. It's, it's all you see is, is people. And imagine this, the situation. Say again. Crowds. Crowds and crowds of people. Man, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Imagine those. Imagine three hundred thousand people pushing towards you to reach one man, to reach Jesus. There was something in Jesus. Huh? There was something in Jesus that those people needed. Yeah. Yeah. They were so desperate to be healed. They were so desperate to have their lives changed. <laughs> they were pushing. They were pushing forward. The back, those at the back were pushing. Those in the front were probably trying to get back a bit or whatever. You know, imagine yourself in this crazy situation. Um, and I think that is that is maybe why Jesus chose, or not the main reason why, but why he gave his authority then to his disciples as well. The story is a great example of why the Holy Spirit was sent. Jesus was limited by his human body. He could only minister and touch to a certain amount of people. Sure. No? Only to those around him. Because the, the life and the power of God was limited to his body when he was on earth. Okay. Um, and then we see the story of, of him anointing his or appointing his twelve uh, apostles as well. Um, Jesus was limited by his human body. He could only minister and touch a certain amount of people. I wonder what they did so that everyone could actually hear them. Eh? Oh, they didn't have loudspeakers. That's quite an interesting, just something that I wondered about. But <laughs> So right after this event, Jesus goes up a mountain and he chooses his 12 apostles. It makes sense practically for Jesus to give authority to these 12 men. Um, to do what he was doing, all right. They were to heal the sick. They were to now cast out demons. They were to raise the dead. They were extensions of Jesus. Now they could spread out into this massive crowds, and all the people didn't have to just get to Jesus. They could get to one of the twelve uh, disciples as well to be healed. Um, and then the day of Pentecost came when the Holy Spirit was given. And what happened there? 3,000 people were saved. 3,000 people got the life and the power of God inside of them. 3,000 people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And for us as well, if we receive, if we believe in Him, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. So, just stretch your imagination a bit. This is how it looked in Jesus' time. Many times I think we believe that in those days the people were much less than today in the world. And that somehow today there's much more people in the world than there was in those days. But imagine if you were, if you had the power that Jesus had. If, if the life of God flowed from your hands. If the life of God was in your clothes. Many people just wanted to touch him. 
Think about that. Man. Isn't that how we should be functioning? When Jaya reads all the scripture in, in, in John 14 verse 12, it says, I tell you the truth that anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to, the, to be with the Father. That's my next verse. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, it, just, it just came to me while well, Jaya was yeah. in the spirit. The means. Jumping the gun. John 14 verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone... Listen to this. Ne? Listen to this. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Who do you have to be? Who do you have to be? Anyone. <laughs> Nothing. Ne? You just need to believe. You, you just have to be anyone. Are you anyone? I'm anyone. What do you have to do? What do you have to do? Believe. Believe. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we need to see this more. But I think... Yeah. I think we need to see sick people lining at our doors. I think we need to see crowds coming to Jesus. I don't know why it doesn't look like that today. But the word says that it is possible. The word says that, it, that we should be doing the same and greater works even. This, is, this challenges my 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 imagination, the way I see things. But here it is in the Word. No. I'm, not, I'm not saying it's the only reason, but I, I think it's because we don't have the expectancy. We don't have this expectancy. No? That, that, that we could actually be like this. That we could heal multitudes of people. That the life of God is inside of you. That anything is possible. Anything. Cancer is nothing. Yeah. Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, you name the sickness, COVID. It's nothing for God. We need to change the way we see ourselves. people. And I'm challenging myself with that. We need to see the way we change us. Change the way we see ourselves. Really? Amen. Okay, so Acts 11 verse 26. Acts 11 verse 26. Um, we need to let the scriptures change the way we see ourselves. The word Christian comes from the Greek word Christianos, meaning little Christ. Think about that. Little Christ. Acts 11 verse 26 says, So it was for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Okay? First they were called uh, the people of the way. The way they called the people, the Christians, those who believed in Jesus. And then eventually they was, were called Christians. 
little Christs. That's what it meant, ne? So the believer's lifestyle was so clear and unmistakable that this was assigned to them. People saw them as little Christs. <laughs> Think about that. Because they put into practice what they had learned from Jesus. They completely achieved the mission that was given to them and to us to represent Christ and make Him known. Twelve guys with the authority to drive out demons, the authority to heal the sick, the authority to do everything that Jesus did. Imagine that, no? There's, I don't, I'm not sure where it stands, but there's a scripture that says that if all of his deeds would have been written up, there would have been volumes. There would have been volumes. There was too much that happened in those three, three years of Jesus' ministry that could be recorded. And the awesome thing is, is that it is available for us today as well. Okay. So you can hear God. We can go look and, uh, at what the word of knowledge, a word of wisdom or prophecy, encouragement, interpretation of tongues. Uh, we can go look at all those things and it can be useful. And I have never, but I have re not really noticed an increase of these gifts in the church by doing that. I think many, they are useful, but I think many times by putting the gifts in boxes and trying to cl clinically unravel and explain them, we kind of actually limit people. No? We, we put people in boxes. We want to start functioning in the gifts, but from an intellectual starting point. But all of these gifts are formed in the same way. All of these gifts are, are formed in the same way. I'm almost finished. This is my last scripture that I'm going to read. Um, they are all formed in the same way. They come from the same starting point. And that starting point is the Holy Spirit. Alright? It always starts from the Holy Spirit. Whether it's tongues, whether it's prophecy or word of knowledge, it starts by just asking and listening to the Holy Spirit. Alright? That is the first thing I believe people struggle with. That's why we don't see these gifts so often in the church. Because they struggle to hear the Holy Spirit. They think they, they can't hear Him. They doubt that they can hear and receive these words from the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10. This is my last scripture. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. It's very logical reasoning that he is doing here, alright? What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, 
but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. It's like came at just the right moment, like a reaction. Um, so this is just an, an awesome picture, an awesome scripture. Who knows a person's thoughts except the, the spirit of that person? Eh? Only that person's own spirit. Only I know what goes on in my heart and in my mind. Only Stephen knows what goes on in Stephen's mind and in Stephen's heart. Amen. We can't read each other's minds. No? And of course, God knows what goes on inside of us. Um, many times we think we know what other people are thinking, but that is called assumption. All right? I cannot know uh, thought for thought what goes on in Emily's heart or mind. All right? And it's the same with God. God has a spirit. And that spirit that knows God intimately, né? He has been given to us. Only the spirit belonging to God knows God's thoughts. And guess what? He has shared his spirit with us. His own spirit that knows his heart, his thoughts, his attitudes, his character. The spirit that knows God perfectly, moment by moment in every situation, is in us. Verse 16 says that we have the mind of Christ. His mind is in us. That's, that's awesome, right? Amen. His spirit. Are, are you getting this? Like, you, you need to think about this. The same spirit that knows God's thoughts, His nature, His desires, that spirit has been deposited into you. And you now, have the mind of Christ. <laughs> it's it's as if it wants to go right across over my head, but like, it's so awesome. Because we have His Spirit, His mind is in us. We can function in any of His gifts because it comes from His mind. He knows the beginning and the end of all matters and situations. We have access to that as well. Think about that. God who is sitting above, above the timeline. He sees the beginning from the end like we sang now. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen 20 years into the future. We have access to that. He knows everything. And we have access to His mind. Okay, let's look at verse 12. I'm almost done. This is my conclusion, guys. Uh, this is 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10. This is my conclusion. Verse 12 says, So that we may understand what God has freely given us. Okay? We have this mind of Christ, so that we can freely understand, or that we can free, may understand what God has freely given us. What has God given us? He's, got, he's given us grace, He's given us mercy, He's given us forgiveness, healing, eternal life, wisdom. Every spiritual thing. Every spiritual thing. 
Yeah. That, that is why He gave us the mind of Christ. That is why He gave us His Spirit, so that we may understand every spiritual thing. Enabling us to rightly divide the word of truth. No? Verse 13. Not in words taught us by wisdom, human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. We have access to God's wisdom. No? God's way of doing things. God's perspective, God's plans, God's purposes. Verse 13 goes on, he says, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. Spiritual realities. Where you can understand spiritual realities, eternal truths. Verse 14. The things that come from the Spirit of God discern only through the Spirit. Things that our carnal, earthly, human minds cannot understand. That is why Paul can say, be spiritually minded and not carnally minded. Because he knows that we have the ability to tap into the mind of Christ. He is not telling us to do something we can't. You, we can discern things of the Spirit. No? Verse 15. The person with the Spirit makes judgment about all things. This has to do with decision making, I believe. To make a judgment about something is to decide if it's right or wrong, whether it agrees with the word or not. So we have the mind of Christ. Amen. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.